Welcome. Hello and welcome to the All In My Head podcast. We're glad you decided to give this podcast a listen. We're a group of teens that are making a podcast for youth by youth. We will counter stereotypes around mental health in the teen, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus community and talk about things you might find a little uncomfortable. It's, it's real Hello everyone, it's Lane. Today we have a youth therapist joining us for an interview to give us the mental health professional perspective on the importance of therapy and the barriers that exist to accessing therapy. Could I have you introduce yourself with your name, pronouns, occupation, and any other identities that you would like to share? Sure. Um, hello everyone, my name is Daniel Lopez. I am a mental health consultant with the Multnomah County Health Department. I work in a program called a school-based mental health program. I use he, him, they pronouns, and I also identify as Latinx. Thank you for that. Could you tell us a little bit more about what your program does within schools? Yes, the program was created to allow further access to therapy and mental health treatment to any student-aged people who may previously have barriers. In other words, this is a program that exists for those who wouldn't be able to receive it otherwise. So what are some of the barriers that you see to accessing therapy outside of this program and even in this program? Well, in this program and out of it, I would say one of the primary barriers is just a huge lack of information. It's difficult to find a provider because there's not a lot of systems that exist out there that, that guide you in that direction. And then outside of this program, one of the huge barriers is financial. You know, therapy can be expensive. You're paying out of pocket. And if you don't have a particular type of insurance, that obviously becomes a very practical barrier. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are some of the practices that y'all implement to try to reduce those barriers within your program? Well, starting with the second part first, um, all services are free. The, like I mentioned, the reason the program exists is just to allow complete access to anyone who would have those services without having to worry about financial burden. I guess one thing I also forgot to mention is, obviously, since we're serving young people, they don't have the transportation abilities of adults. So we literally serve them at where they're at. So we have multiple clinics and sites distributed throughout all public schools. So I, I myself work at a high school, for example, at the student health center that's located there. And then in terms of the first one, the lack of information, difficulty to find, it's, if I could say something that hopefully sticks with the listeners is ask around. Don't stay silent. Ask who knows somebody. You never know where you're going to get a lead. And for many of the patients that we serve, that's how it started with them. They just asked. Yeah, that's really great. So talking a little bit more about the specific services that you provide, is it just therapy that you provide? Well, for me specifically, I work in Multnomah County funded program, and it's a, literally a clinic called the Student Health Center where we offer all services under one umbrella. So medical, mental, dental, all in the same place, physically located inside the high school. So it's literally, you can just walk out of class and walk right in there and you'll get what you need. I myself am the mental health consultant, so I provide therapy, but I also do family therapy and, and help link to resources so like case management and stuff like that. So I think the whole reason we exist is just to help as much as possible. We're very flexible in what we can do. But I myself, that is my part of sensation is, is therapy, of course. 
Yeah, and so I know there's like a couple different kinds of therapy. There's like art therapy and things like that. How do you find the right fit for you as a youth? That's a great question. You know, I'd like to think that if you've ever, I don't know, dealt with with doctors or other types of professionals, you'll realize that even though they all have the same title, they have different personalities, right? And not everyone is a perfect match for everyone. So sometimes, and again, I want to acknowledge the barriers that we talked about earlier, but sometimes it's kind of like seeing who's the right fit, you know, sticking with it for a couple of sessions. And if you're really feeling like, oh, we have a large schism here, it doesn't quite fit. It's okay. That, that happens sometimes. That's not going to be taken in offense. That being said, I myself like to remain very flexible. I like to think that therapists should start from where their client is. So you don't want to put your own priorities on the other person. You want to start where they're at and walk with them at their pace. Uh, so I remain very flexible in what, what I employ and what I like to use. I don't, I don't prescribe to one particular course of action or, or therapy regimen. Uh, thank you for that. One thing that uh, we talked a lot about in the last episode was the difficulty in finding a therapist that you could relate to. So for example, like black indigenous people of color in Portland often have a hard time finding therapists who are also BIPOC and they find that that's really necessary for them to Absolutely. open up about their experiences. Do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. I've had a, a client literally tell me that they were very appreciative that I, I myself am a person of color as well because they felt more comfortable sharing some of the experiences that they've had because I can empathize more with my own personal experiences. But yeah, that's that's absolutely a, a point of concern and, and something I'm, I'm happy to say the county takes very proactively. They seek to hire providers who are BIPOC or representative of other communities um, because you're right, there's a problem. There's a lack of access. Young people, students who, who identify as BIPOC or LGBTQ plus community, I mean, it's harder to find therapists who are also parts of those community. And yeah, that leads to, to lesser outcomes sometimes. So yeah, I, I agree that that's, that's definitely a barrier. Thank you for putting your perspective on that. One thing we also like to talk about is the like the mental health of the therapist. So there's a lot of a lot of youth talk about like very heavy issues. Does that ever affect your mental health or how do you sort of manage all of that? Thank you for asking that. Yeah, I, I get that a lot. I think there's sort of a concern that sharing your burdens might cause burden onto someone else, even if that person's you know, professionally trained to deal with that. Um, and I'd like to say this, you know, all therapists, we've most of us have been in therapy ourselves. We know what this is like, and we have our own systems in place as part of professionals and how to deal with that. Obviously, we're not a monolith. Not every therapist is the same, but I think every, everyone who's every professional therapist uh, who's good at their job has a system in place on how to deal with the stressors of their job. I'd like to think of it very much as how people who serve in any type of helping professions, you know, doctors, nurses, case managers, we all have ways to help unload some of that stress. And it's not something that I, I would like to say for me personally, it's not something I ever feel is a burden. I feel more energized after a good therapy session where I feel like I'm doing some, some real help. That's really great. Honestly, I'm really glad to hear that. We talked a little bit about the difficulty that youth can have connecting with their therapist, depending on their identities. Have you ever had a situation where you couldn't connect with a client or it really just didn't click and you had to, 
move on and they had to find a different therapist? Nothing that sticks to mind. I've, I've had clients who've switched like mid-treatment, but those were for some other extenuating circumstances. But there are some, sure, again, and this is just because of how every therapist is a human being who might feel a more natural connection sometimes. But again, I, I think any, any therapist who's, who's been trained well uh, will definitely put themselves in the shoes of their client, not their own. It's about the other person's experience and then kind of learning and walking with them on that path. Again, I personally have never had a situation like this isn't going to work out, but maybe that could arise. I, I do suspect that it would be very rare. Okay. What are some common issues that you found amongst young people? And what are some kind of like blanket recommendations that you think would help youth with these struggles? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So obviously, you know, in this role, I serve primarily high school age people. So I guess with that in mind, I guess one thing that I, I would assume any teenager could relate to is just the lack of control they feel they have in their lives, given their age. You know, you're growing, you're developing your personality, your tastes, the, the way you see the world, and you're still beholden to the rules and expectations of school or your parents or other adults around you. So that's definitely a huge theme I think I deal with, with most of my clients. And I don't know, I, I don't have any particular broad advice on that because I, I, I would like to take this, this tangent to say therapy is not advice giving. Therapists, maybe sometimes they will give you specific advice, but that's something I think most therapists would try to shy away from because that may not be particularly helpful sometimes. But all that being said, I guess the advice I would say is that remember, things change. Life does not remain the same forever. And sometimes that doesn't improve the current situation, but maybe having that sort of light at the end of the tunnel or realization that this isn't the way things will always be can help motivate past some of those hard times or help you motivate to seek more help to get past those times. I guess that's what I would say. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I totally understand what you're saying about the whole advice thing, because I think therapists are sometimes mischaracterized as just like people you go to to just talk to and you get some advice and then you go home. <laughs> right. Thank you for you know, yeah, That's definitely not, not, not what we do. I'm wondering, a lot of youth are experiencing a lot of stress and anxiety right now. Are there any like grounding techniques or breathing exercises or things like that that you've found to be like effective among youth? Yeah, I like to really um, listen to the body. Your body has physical responses that let you know how you're doing, you know, tense shoulders, your posture, just your uneasiness, you know, jitteriness, like your body tells you, hey, you're really stressed out. You're not doing well right now. And I'm a huge promoter of breathing exercises. So it's, it's pretty simple. I'll just give a very quick rundown. So you want to sit in a comfortable position, you know, sit in the chair. Maybe you could lie down, but I, I recommend sitting. And you want to take a deep breath through your nostrils, so through your nose, okay? So really, really deep breath and try to inflate right around your stomach, okay? So think of a balloon getting blown up. And then you want to hold that breath with your eyes closed for anywhere from five to 10 seconds. Just count it out slowly in your head. And then once you're done, slowly, and that is really the key here, slowly, slowly, slowly release that breath through your mouth. Okay. So in through your nose, hold five to 10 seconds, and then slowly out your mouth. And that's something I just like to promote to a lot of the clients I work with. A lot of people say that that 
that is helpful and it, it provides a level of temporary relief when they're feeling extra stress. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with all of our listeners. One other thing I wanted to ask was, are there any resources for therapy that may be like are online or are easy to access, like the student health centers that you would recommend for our listeners? Uh, I don't know where your listeners may hail from, but if they're in the Portland metro area, it's a good chance that they have a therapist at their school. So most most ways to access this, you would ask the school counselor, hey, are there any therapy resources here at the school? And every school counselor who has a therapist at the school will have a way of connecting you. It's, so using myself as an example, almost all of my clients come because they've mentioned something in a school counselor meeting or to a teacher, and then that word got passed down the line, came to me. I bring them in for a meeting, introduce myself, tell them what this is about, and then they have the autonomy to choose whether they want to pursue it more or not, but overwhelming majority stick around. So I would, again, it's the same thing that I mentioned earlier, that the best resource I would argue is to ask trusted adults around you. Okay. So if you have school counselors, teachers, somebody that you can invite and say, Hey, I would really like to be, I'm really interested in therapy. Is there anybody easy to access in this area? And if you're at a school, there's, there's a good chance that there is. Thank you so much for uh, everything today. I think that's all the questions I have, unless you have anything else that you'd like to add. Um, No, I just, it's very wonderful what you're doing. I think this is obvious, obviously a topic near and dear to my heart. So something that needs a lot more promotion. If you are thinking about seeking therapy, you should pursue it. It can be a life-changing experience and really, really good for your future. So I'm glad that you're bringing more light to this, especially for, for younger people. All right. Thank you very much. Absolutely. All right. Take care. You as well. Hi, everyone. This is Top 10 Tips. I'm talking to your parent or legal guardian about wanting to start therapy. Number one, know that there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Sometimes we avoid these conversations because we're afraid of what they might say. Number two, plan the conversation in person. And it's also better to have the conversation when they're less likely to be stressed out or busy. Number three, Be clear and show that you've been wanting therapy and that you'll take it seriously. Number four, be prepared to talk about therapy financially and ask if your insurance covers therapy. Number five, explain how you've been feeling. It's good to give them examples of how your mental health has been affecting your daily life. Number six, actually saying you want professional help can be more effective if they're trying to find alternatives to therapy. Number seven, Remind them that therapy is for everyone, and it's completely normal to need therapy. Number eight, keep in mind that most parent or guardians want what's better for you, even if they don't believe in therapy. So make it clear that therapy is beneficial for you. Number nine, be willing to try different therapists to find the perfect one for you, and this process can take some time. Number ten, if they still aren't willing to let you try therapy, try again and again, Be persistent to show how much you want therapy. Some sites I use for this are childmind.org, hellogoogles.com, and variablefamily.com. Thank you. This podcast was created using a grant from the Oregon Alliance to Prevent Suicide in partnership with the Association of Oregon Community Mental Health Programs and with funding from the Oregon Health Authority. The adult advisor is Nicole Mayer, music by Waterboy, shared on Pixabay.